This is Real Estate Rookie episode 303. So your wholesaler you met through a connection that, that basically came from your meetup. Your first buyer literally left your meetup with you to go view your house. And then that buyer's agent is the one that had the buyer for your second home. And my private money. And his private money lender. Yeah. yeah. And his brother, who is the first sub. And your first sub. So you got a wholesaler, two buyers, private money lenders, and subs all came from this meetup. My name is Ashley Kerr, and I'm here with my co-host, Tony Robinson. And welcome to the Real Estate Rookie Podcast, where every week, twice a week, we bring you the inspiration, motivation, and stories you need to hear to kickstart your investing journey. And today, we've got Spencer on the podcast. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like I say this all the time, but just... I love this episode because Spencer talks about the power of networking and how as a rookie, you can really use that to supercharge your business. This guy found literally everything he needed for his real estate business through networking. Yeah. And one of the things he talks about is how just buying pizza can add so much value to your life. And as he was talking about this, I thought of my own personal circumstance where this weekend at a conference, we all went to the, the, one of the parties, the event hosted and everything. And then we, everybody came back to the hotel lobby and I, you know, it was like later on. And so I door dashed a bunch, a bunch of pizza to the hotel lobby. I was the most popular person in that lobby because the hotel was not serving food anymore. And so I got to meet so many people that were just kind of like hanging out, see if there'd be extra slices. Then there'd be the people that would just come up and grab it and be like, thank you so much. I'm so-and-so, by the way. So (laughs) we have Spencer talking about how buying pizza has added so much value to his real estate investing and his networking. Yeah, when I was uh, when I was in college, I was uh, like on the board for this engineering club, and we had meetings every Tuesday. And the best way to pack our meetings was we would buy a bunch of pizza from Little Caesars, and we would give it away free to anyone who came to the meeting. So it was always during the lunch hour, so people would just be lining up just to get free pizza. Yeah. That was our way to kind of kind of pull them in. So human nature, man, you know, free food, free drinks, uh, free food works for me. So. Yeah. <laughs> But Spencer talks about his experience um, through 2008 with his mom. And then he goes into doing his own first real estate deal and and not turning out so well. But um, then Spencer purchases two properties at once. And he goes into how he sourced the deal, how he financed the deal, how he found contractors doing his rehab, um, and then also how he exited those deals and then gives us kind of a little glimpse into what he's he's doing now and working on. Yeah, overall, really, really fantastic episode. Excited for all of our Ricky audience to, to hear it and, and uh, get some value from it. But uh, I also want to give a shout out to someone that left us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. This one's actually kind of a, a funny one. So this is Kelsey Porter from Iowa. Uh, she titled her uh, review, Great for Ricky's, gave us five stars. And then the actual body of the review says... As a full-time realtor, and that's it. It just cuts off after that. There's nothing else after that. So <laughs> seems like Kelsey was about to go into So a, she you loves know, it as a full-time realtor. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Or she just loves the podcast so much, she's literally at a loss for words. She, she couldn't even <laughs> like bring herself to write how impactful the Ricky uh, podcast has been for her. Uh, so Kelsey, if, if you're out there, if you're listening, uh, <laughs> go back and finish your review um, so we can hear what else you, you got to say about us. But if you guys haven't yet... Please take a few minutes, leave us an honest rating review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you're listening. The more reviews we get, the more folks we reach. And the more folks we reach, the more folks we can help. And that is the entire goal of the Real Estate Rookie Podcast. Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. 
Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. Are current interest rates making you depressed about cash flow? What if it didn't have to be that way? Rent to Retirement has 2.99% seller financing available on turnkey properties. You heard that right. That's a seller-financed 2.99% interest rate where the average cash flow is over $900 per month. They also have options where you can put as low as 5% down on multiple investment properties with no PMI. Rent to Retirement is the nation's leading turnkey investment company that understands what it takes to be successful in today's dynamic real estate market. Their reputation speaks for itself with more five-star reviews than any other company on the Bigger Pockets website. Rent to Retirement offers fully turnkey properties that are newly built or renovated, leased and managed, allowing you to invest with confidence in the markets that offer the best returns. To learn more, visit renttoretirement.com. That's rent to retirement.com or text REI to 33777. Again, text REI to 33777. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Spencer, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Do you want to get started with telling us a little bit about yourself and how you got started in real estate? Yeah, so I was in the music industry for 15 years. And uh, if anybody knows anything about the music industry, it doesn't pay very well. Uh, So I was always kind of doing stuff on the side. And uh, my family was impacted by, you know, just some of the results of, of, you know, 2008. Um, You know, I've just kind of always known I would have family that I would need to support a little bit in retirement. And so real estate, you know, when I found things like uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad and uh, things of that nature, real estate just seemed kind of a good way to uh, be able to subsidize them, you know, financially, but also if nothing else, just kind of have places to house people, (laughs) you know, family members if I needed to in the future. Uh, So it it just kind of, it it felt natural to me uh, when I, once I started learning about it. Yeah, Spencer, you, you said something super, um, I think, intriguing in, in your first sentence, man. I love it when the when the interviews get off to a good start like this. You said uh, you, you've got family to support in retirement. You know, we we have, you know, we've had hundreds of guests on the show, and, and every guest has a different reason as to why they're looking to get started in, in real estate investing. Some people say, I hate my job. I want to quit. You know, I, I need to do something else. Some people say, I, I just had a baby. I want to spend more time with my with my kids. Um, but, but you said I have family to support in retirement, like, I guess uh, elaborate on, on what that is and why that's so important to you. Yeah. So, uh, my mom was, you know, her industry was affected in 2008. She had to liquidate her 401k. My dad, I don't think has ever set anything up for retirement. And then I have a, a, a brother that is high functioning special needs and, you know, he gets assistance from the government and stuff like that. But I've just always kind of known, um, that between all of these things at some point, someone's probably going to need help. Um, and I just want to be in a position where when I have a future family, they don't have to be affected by, you know, helping my family. Um, and again, whether it's whether you build a business that has a ton of cash flow, uh, you know, you have hundred units or not, if I can start now and have three homes that are mostly paid off or, or, you know, multi small multifamily, I could always house somebody, even if I can't afford to actually just like pay for them. Um, so it always seemed like there's that a good backup plan there, if, you know, if nothing else, here's a home for, you know, someone that needs it. Yeah, I, I appreciate that uh, transparency, Spencer. And, and I, I call that out, man, because I, I feel like for a lot of people, when they think about building their real estate business, the the motivation sometimes is superficial, where it's it's just kind of surface level. 
And it's hard to build the business, especially for those that are doing this while trying to juggle family responsibilities and maybe a full-time job. Like it's hard to also build your real estate business on the side. And if your if your why, if your motivation is something that's, you know, not super emotional, something that you can't really connect with, then eventually you're gonna you're gonna burn out, right? And and you're not gonna have the the grit to really push through. But you know, when you say something like, man, you know, I've I've got a mom and a dad and a, a sibling that has special needs and I want to be able to take care of them, like that's something that's emotional. That's something that's gonna really motivate you to to push through when things get hard. So I just I just want to call that out, man, because it's it's something I think uh, enough people don't think about. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, it's uh it's just it, I feel like everyone has always had to deal with uh you know, things always come up in life and people figure it out, but I just kind of want to figure it out early. <laughs> you know, I don't want to have it, have it be something we have to figure out down the road. That's a, a great point as to instead of, you want to be proactive instead of reactive. And one of those things is that for your family is that you already want to know that you can help them um, in a situation instead of when something happens, scrambling to try to make something work for them. Mm -hmm. And I think that goes in many aspects of life as to being proactive instead of reactive. So maybe it's health, like you want to invest in properties so that you have more time to hike and have better fitness because you want to be healthier instead of, you know, not, and then (laughs) having to go to doctors and stuff. So I think there's so many different aspects of life where this lesson can kind of, um, translate to throughout your life. And, you know, not even just money for your family and being able to help them, but maybe having the time freedom to help them too. And that Mm -hmm. that's what I love about real estate is there's so many aspects of the flexibility of being a real estate investor along with the the income that can come along with it too. That time and money both can help you kind of provide that security for yourself mm-hmm. and your family. Mm-hmm. I just want to add one thing to that, Ashley, because it's, and now, you know, I'm, I'm going to try and get off my soapbox really quickly here, but, um, you know, there's, there's this concept that I've been trying to teach my son, you know, he's, he's 15, almost 16 years old, and it's about choosing your heart. And, you know, I've, I've heard this idea, this philosophy thrown around a, a lot of times, but you talked to Ash about like, like being fit and it's like being disciplined in your diet, being disciplined and working out consistently. Like that is, that is hard, but being overweight and having diabetes and having high blood pressure, like that's hard also, right? Um, building a business while working a full-time job while having family commitments, that's hard seeing your parents go into retirement and not being able to provide for themselves. That's also hard worrying about like, man, am I going to be able to cover my bills or, or man, I want to go on this vacation. We don't have money to do it. Like all of those things are hard as well. And I think people get so focused on the the short-term hard that they lose sight of, of the long-term hard. And it's like, man, if I can just really focus in on the short-term and, and do the things that are hard today, tomorrow becomes significantly easier. Mm-hmm. So I just, you, you mentioned that point, Ash, and it was just a, a thought. So Spencer, let's get into kind of your first action step towards becoming a real estate investor. Kind of walk us through where you're like, okay, this is the day I'm taking action. What are some of the things you did to kind of work towards that? Yeah. So I, um, you know, I had a friend that showed me bigger pockets back in 2018, you know, jumped in, listened to hundreds of episodes and we did, uh, we did go ahead and buy a five unit in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania back in 2018. Um, but you know, Lots of lessons. Uh, lots of lessons were were learned. It it went way over budget. It went way over the you know amount of time it was supposed to take, and it didn't really set us up to have money to go and do more. Um, and so you know, again, I was in music for fifteen years. I, I booked concerts. I ran record labels. You know, stuff like that. But then when COVID hit, it obviously shut down my industry, and so I decided to pivot and start a business that kind of works with investors. And so I I spent a few years working with a lot of investors, helping build their businesses more and uh, realized I still haven't bought another property myself and, you know, I'm not building my own business. And so I went and joined, um, you know, the ascend, you know, of go abundance or emerge of go abundance. Uh, so I could be around some people and really just said last year, like I need to get another property. You know, I know that the excuses before where I didn't have money, well, now I have a little bit of money. And then the excuses were high interest rates, you know, competitive market, all that stuff. But I just decided I needed to, I needed to go do something. 
And so I positioned myself to be ready to hop on a wholesale deal when it came through. And, uh, you know, I was able to buy two properties to flip at the end of the year. And that's what I've been working on recently. Now, you said you positioned yourself to be ready to wholesale a deal. What do you mean by that? What are some of the things you did to get yourself in that position? Uh, to be clear, not to wholesale, to buy from a wholesaler. Okay. Um, so that was, I connected with a wholesaler. I just let him know who I was, where I wanted to buy, that I'm serious, even though I haven't done many deals. Um you know, obviously got some money lined up. I, I talked to some people in the area. I just got a few people um, subs lined up so that I, I knew what I wanted to do. It's I mean, for a lot of people, that inaction is not having confidence in what the next step is. And um, so I, I figured getting a lot of that stuff out of the way left it only on me to pull the trigger. And so um, I wanted to be ready to do that. So let's break that down. So you said that you talked to, you reached out to wholesalers. So did you, how did you find the wholesalers and then how did you reach out to them? Was this sending an email? Was this calling them? Did you give them your criteria? Yeah. Uh, I actually think I just asked some other people I knew in the area who they recommended and they put me in the direction of a few people. Um, yeah, I reached out to all of them. I just got on their list. I wanted to see what they were pushing out. I also wanted to, they, it, it's a good way to see what's on the market, what's available, what the pricing looks like um, besides just what's on the MLS, because obviously with the MLS, everyone's trying to get as much as possible. Um, but at least with a wholesaler, you can see like you, you get a feel for what's a good deal. And when I finally found the the two properties that decided to flip, like I'm not trying to build a flipping business. That's just what they were good for. I, I didn't think they would work as long-term rentals. Um, I, I, I knew that based on the acquisition price and what would need to go into it, that if I lost money, the amount of money I lost would be minimal. And I was okay with that for the learning experience of getting through it and you know making it known to people in the community that I am actively doing deals. Um, obviously, I wanted to make money, but uh, I was I was prepared that like at least it, you know, if I'm gonna lose, I lose small. Okay, so you reach out to wholesalers you got on their list where they're sending you emails with properties you have available. That's the first step. Second step, you said that you lined up uh, your money. So what did you do? Did you have, you know, just cash saved? Did you have a private money lender? Kind of give us an insight into that. Yeah. So I had uh, some of my own cash. Um, some, my, my mom has been, uh, helping me, you know, cause again, she knows my plan that I, that I'm trying to help her in retirement, but she has some money saved. So she was able to provide me some cash. And then I lined up private money as well, um, from someone I met at a, at a re a meetup that I host. Okay. Awesome. So we got, you got yourself a way to source deals from wholesalers. You have your funding ready. And then, uh, was there anything else? Like, did you build a team? Did you have a contractor ready or, you know, anything like that? Uh, I knew who my painter was going to be. I'd been working on some stuff around my own house. I knew I could do at least LVP flooring. Uh, I knew who my electrician was going to be. And, and I had linked up with an agent at that point as well. Even though this was a wholesale deal, you know, I went to her and asked, are you willing to, you know, can you, I'm going to flip these. So you're going to be selling them. What's your input? Um, and so she was able, she was willing to give insight as well. Um, so it, it, you know, it was just a combination of getting everyone's input, you know, getting an idea of, you know, the painter was able to tell me here's roughly what it'll cost just based on the size without looking at it. So all those things were helpful. And just, again, making the decision, not, not having a full rehab, you know, scope, but just being like, Okay, I think I can make money with this, and if I if I lose, it'll I'll lose small. <laughs> you know, go, coming back to that idea. Okay, so let's say maybe there was four four things that that kind of got you ready. Um, so the first thing you your deal sourcing, you had found wholesalers and an agent, and then you got your financing lined up. You had some money. You found a private money lender, and then you also started building a team. You got your painter, um, and then. The fourth thing is you gained confidence. You had confidence in yourself. You said to yourself, I don't know everything. I'm not going to get this exact, but I think that I can move forward with this property to get you ready. So I just want our listeners to to take those four action items that you did and kind of use those to make their way forward to getting their next deal too. 
So let me let me ask one follow up question here, Spencer, because you you mentioned this briefly before talking about the deals you got. And, and just to clarify, I guess let me kind of zoom out to the thirty thousand foot view. So in two thousand and eighteen, you had the the one deal, which was a five unit, and then at the tail end of last year, you picked up two properties that you planned to flip. Am I is that like a right overview of kind of what your strategy looked like? Okay, cool. So the the first one in two thousand eighteen, you said it didn't pan out the way that you wanted it to. Um, does that mean that you, you lost money on that deal? Like what, what exactly happened? And the reason why I'm asking that question is because you, as you move into your deals this year, the, the flips you had this year, you, you talked about not being afraid of losing money, which is almost counterintuitive because if someone loses money in that first deal, they almost have this like, I don't know, anxiety about doing it again, where it's like, oh my God, I lost money in the first one. I don't know if I want to do this again. So I guess just walk me through what happened on the 2018 deal. And then eventually I want to get into how that uh, played into your mindset going into your most recent deals? Yeah. So um, it was a five unit. It was going to be mostly full gut um, rehab. And we just, you know, it was me and two partners. Um, we None of us had experience. We lined ourselves up with uh, what seemed like a prominent property management company in the area that also had, at least they said, a, a an arm of the business that could do rehabs. They really didn't. Uh, so what was we were told to be like a four month rehab took 14 months. Um, it should have never been four. either way. It should have never been four months. It would have been a minimum of like six to seven. Now that I know more about this. Um, but it took 14, you know, it, we had to go, we had to find a new hard money lender, you know, to get out the old one. We had to find a new property management company. We had to find a new GC and just, you know, we, we couldn't actually get our private money. You know, our friend that lent us money, we couldn't get his money out uh, up until actually this past year. Um, you know, three years of holding his private money at 15% and resetting his, his clock each year. Um, he, luckily he was, he was understanding, but, um, you know, it was just that, that kind of definitely gave me some information into what goes into this and, you know, how to vet people a little bit better, um, what to expect, you know, at least timeline wise, uh, you know, these flips I just did were cosmetic flips. They could, in theory, be done in a couple of weeks, but it took six. It took six because that's just how it goes. You know, painters got other things to paint. GC's got other things to GC. I don't know. It's just uh, <laughs> you're not the only person. So uh, what what seems super simple uh, is quickly, you know, it goes longer. And you should just anticipate that part. We had a recent episode with uh, JP Desmond. I can't recall which number he was, but if you go back a few episodes, you should find an episode with JP. And he lost like a, a quarter million dollars over like his first three deals. And um, even after those first three, he still moved forward and he ended up securing two deals that were just like absolute home runs. And I, I think there's something to be said about your first deal not being all that great. Because it's like, man, if you can, if you can get through that deal, um, you know, you, you've learned so many lessons. Now you can take that and apply it to your next one, which hopefully will, will be a better one. So my, my question to you, Spencer, is how did you not get, how did you not lose motivation after that first deal? Though you know, went way over budget timeline, everything kind of didn't pan out. Private money at fifteen percent for three years, like those are the makings of someone to say real estate investing doesn't work. And those guys at bigger pockets are a lie. <laughs> like it, it doesn't work the way that they tell you it does. So how did you get past that to still have the confidence to move on to the two deals you recently did? Yeah, I mean, obviously listening to hundreds of episodes, I've heard exactly how to burr correctly, how you can leave equity in the deal and just get out your initial money, how you can pull out extra money. Um, you know, all these ways that people use the burr strategy. But there are plenty of times where I was just like, well, Let's say you come out $10,000 short. You're saying you got a $200,000 asset for $10,000? <laughs> That's... That doesn't seem like a terrible trade. If you if you somehow mess up a, a quarter million dollar asset and it still costs you $100,000, still doesn't sound like a bad trade. You got it for 40% of what it would go for on the MLS uh, if it was like a primary residence. I just... I. I definitely, you know, maybe I think small by not uh, not wanting to to swing for the fences. I but I'm I've always been more comfortable thinking more about like what's the worst case scenario. And so again, back to these deals, you know, they were they were two newer build. They were built in the last you know ten or fifteen years in a city where everything is 150 years old. And so I didn't necessarily know how that would play into the comps, but I was very confident 
that there would be buyers that would rather pay for a building, pay more for something that was built 10 years ago than 150 years ago. And so that, that was, that was like some of my motivation in like, I don't think I can lose money on this. And if I do, it'll be small. Um, you know, I'm going cosmetic cosmetic. It allows me to be flexible with how much I put in. Whereas if you need new windows, you need new windows. It, it, you know, if you need to do a whole new kitchen cause it's ruined or there's water damage, you have to repair that. But at least with the, with a cosmetic flip, I could take a little more Liberty with like, all right, I'd like to be able to replace the the laminate in this bathroom, but I don't have to if I don't need to, you know, if I'm running out of money. Um, and if it seems like it's going to turn out well, then I can also make other decisions. If the market's heating up, I can make decisions to spend a little bit more money on a nicer product at the end. Um, and so that those were things I definitely learned about along this way as well. It's just, you know, how you can kind of make decisions as you're going along if you need to. When I was at this conference, Last week, someone was talking about how a lot of real estate investors have addictive personalities. And all I could think about when you were telling this story and Tony was talking about JP is that, okay, lost money, but then decide to go because you think that you can get it back. And like in real estate, that's a great mindset of like, I'm not going to give up. Like, let's send a real estate investor into a casino and they lose money. And, you know, are they going to go, let's keep gambling. I can win yeah. it back, you know? So I, I, I just thought it was funny, those two uh, comparisons there, but it, it is so true. Like having that, that grit to keep going. And obviously gambling is by chance. And, you know, there are a lot more things you can control with real estate investing, but also there are things that you can't control, like the market changes, interest rate, things like that. Uh, Spencer, I'm curious as to what are some of the things like going forward doing deals that you are going to be proactive about? So with the the scars from that first deal, what are things that you are doing different now to kind of safeguard your? So you one thing that really um caught my my mind was you said that you had to refinance and find another hard money lender during that 14 months. So is there something you're doing now to like have some kind of backup if a rehab was going wrong or, you know, just give us a little insight of those things that you're doing now to be proactive. Well, that was a really unique situation. It wasn't because the 12 months ran up on my loan. It was because my property manager said that things were accomplished that were not. And our hard money lender was investing. For, they were a Philadelphia-based hard money lender. They decided to take a chance on us out in Harrisburg and they wanted to come see the progress. And we got there and then things that we told them were done were not done. So they got spooked, including seeing just, you know, paint still in the basement, you know, toxic materials, um, work not done, stuff like that. We had also, this is, this is just a newbie thing. Um, is that like, I didn't really know that the, when I was doing the rehab draws that they really cared how the money was being spent on, on what in a particular order. And so we had a draw come in and then it was like, Labor Day or something like that, where there are massive appliance sales. So we're like, we impulsively went and bought like five sets of appliances with that draw. And we didn't think that was going to be a problem. We thought we were showing fiscal responsibility by taking advantage of a sale and said, they're like, no, that money was for this. And you didn't do that. Um, so just learning how to be more communicative with, with hard money has been helpful. I mean, on this cosmetic clip, I wasn't really asked many questions. It was, it was all moving along pretty easily. Um, and there was only so much to do. Actually, I think, I think they used, they funded my closing costs, but they used it as like the rehab budget. And then I actually did the rehab with my cash. So there was no really, there were no draws, no questions to really ask there. So on that hard money loan, did they call your loan due because you didn't comply with the loan agreement of using the funds for what they're supposed to be used for? Or how did they call the loan early? I think it was that, but also kind of, they gave us a checklist of like 20 things that need to be done the next two weeks. We did them. Uh, and then they still said, uh, we, we want out of this, which was really frustrating because it was also the week that everyone leaves for Christmas for like three weeks. And they were just like, we don't care. We're going to foreclose if you do not get us our money. So we figured it out. Um, and I I've never heard that. I, I mean, on one hand, I could say like, wow, I really suck at this because I've listened to hundreds of episodes, never heard anyone say their hard money lender pulled out. But 
I mean, I again, that goes back to we were we were not told the correct things. I think they would have been okay with how we spent the money on the appliances. It was that they came to the project and saw that things that we told them were done were not done. And then they thought we were lying to them, which was not the case. Um, it, it goes back to bad property management, bad uh, – I mean, I don't even want to necessarily say vetting. I think we we chose a company that at least at the time was doing well. It was that we were in an a market where it was hard to find good good workers. Um, so I, I know that in time that that company has actually gotten much worse. <laughs> so we were just at the front end of it. But uh, but um, I, I definitely could have learned more lessons from it. I, I could have been more thoughtful in how I vetted people the second time around as well. But I think vetting and, and, and getting referrals and references and stuff like that is always good. And so, again, those steps you were pointing out, actually building my team, I use referrals from people I knew that were already doing stuff. So I felt a little more comfortable with it. Whereas that last time, I was just going off of someone I, I found on the Bigger Pockets platform. And I thought that was the vetting being done. That was a mistake of mine. Anybody can go, you know, make posts or make profiles, um, not just on bigger packs, but any platform. That was that was a mistake I made for sure. Ash, let me let me ask you a, a question because I mean you're in a more rural area. So like for you, when you when you first got started, how did you find your crews initially in a city that or in an area that maybe doesn't have you know an overabundance of contracting crews? The first contractors that I used were actually uh, my friends of my dad's or they worked for the investor that I was a property manager for. So, uh, you know, anything that that owner needed, I was, you know, the contact to hire the vendors for his properties. So I kind of built the relationship that way. And then just like my dad has a lot of friends that are contractors or do different things. So that was another connection that I had. Some other ways that we have found contractors is just word of mouth, asking people, letting them know what we're looking for. And then also yard signs. Kind of the mindset is if you see the yard sign in someone's yard, most likely they did a good job. If someone does a bad job for me, I'm ripping that lawn sign out of my yard and not letting it be in there. And then another way that I've heard is that some, and I've never done this because I'm an introvert, but stopping at, if you see construction going on at somebody's house, you see the trucks there, whatever is stopping there and like talking to the contractor and be like, oh, can I take a look at this concrete you're putting in? But um, that I've never done that way. I've just heard of other people finding contractors that way, but um, there. One way we have talked about before is Facebook marketplace or Facebook groups. So like if you're mm-hmm. in the like Hamburg, be neighborly groups or whatever your town is and people will post in there and t- like, oh my gosh, you did a great job. Great job. Well, there was this one experience where everybody was posting about this one guy, just like we used him. It was great, blah, blah, blah. And I don't know if he got like overworked or what happened, but slowly the post took a turn for the worst. And after several months, it was like, you know, we hired this guy based on everyone's recommendation. Like he took our money. We haven't seen him in a month. Like he barely answers our calls, hasn't scheduled us, things like that. So I just want to like put out that word of caution that just because somebody refers someone now doesn't mean, doesn't like guarantee that they're going to be great. Um, there's always going to be that little bit of risk. So I think that's where having contracts and like not paying things up front, maybe a little bit, or like having some kind of safety net and not just word of mouth, I think, uh, or just like an oral agreement. I think having something in writing and having different things that protect you, especially if it is going to be a, a big job and a lot of money. Ashley, I would not consider you an introvert, by the way. I, I, oh, I, I definitely am. <laughs> maybe, maybe a little <laughs> shy in some settings, but I wouldn't say you're an introvert. Um, but you know, I, I actually have used that strategy of just like jumping out the car when I see a, um, uh, like a construction site. Um, actually even in our own neighborhood, we were like in an open house, me and Sarah a few weeks ago, and there was a house around the corner from the open house that, you know, it was like clearly a construction site. And I hopped out the car, went over there, introduced myself. I got the guy's number in my phone right now. But I think, I, honestly, I think that's a really good way uh, because kind of going into what you're, you're talking about, Spencer, where, where you're, you're able to vet people. Like if you're able to see their job site and you're able to see their team kind of 
actually in action when they're working? Like, is it a bunch of dudes and just kind of sitting around like shooting the breeze or is everyone hustling and, and moving fast? Is the, the job site clean? Is it dirty? Like, just like, what does it look like? And, and the quality of their work, right? Like, man, like, like th- this actually is a really good job. Um, then it, it incentivizes you, or maybe not incentivize you, but it, it just kind of gives you that, um, that vote of confidence that, that they're doing something right. Well, I, I've heard so many people say, ask for referrals. And I'm like, I feel like asking for referrals is the same as writing about yourself on LinkedIn. Like, you're not going to say you suck yeah. and you're not going to give referrals that say right. you suck either. Um, and, right, you know, right. you could ask somebody for pictures. I mean, how many MLS pictures have you seen for a property that looked, like it didn't need much work and then you got there and you need a lot more. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, definitely helpful to be able to see their work. But, um, you know, I had chosen the, the sub I used on the this first flip I chose because he came to my meetup and I was like, well, he just showed his face to 20 investors. So I'd like to think he's going to do a good job. Um and, and, you know, he, he did for the most part, um, you know, there, there are certain things that could have been a little bit better, but you know, again, it, it referrals upon referrals upon referrals is going to be great. You know, the, the more people that, you know, in the market that can suggest people to you is, is going to be helpful. Um, you know, especially if it's from a different investor, not just like an agent, but like an active investor that is willing to share with you someone, you know, I, I did find a GC that recommended me you know, their carpet, the, a guy that they bring in for flooring when they are subbing out flooring. And he's done, um, you know, he's done my carpet. He's done, he's done my vinyl. Um, you know, he comes into the properties. He and his workers are loud and swear and listen to music and it's fine. But they get their, they get the carpet done in a few hours and they leave and it seemed like a reasonable price to me. So, um, that's fine with me. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it can go both ways too, is to like, you're, you find somebody from referrals. That's an amazing, great contractor that you can use, but also you can find a great contractor from a Google search, just getting a, a random person using them one time and like, Oh my gosh, this person is amazing to work with. I have an example today. I, we needed to clean out a hoarder house. And so we just Googled like junk removal companies. We called this one company. And so the guy came out, walked the property with us. And he's just like, I can get this done today. Here's my estimate right now. Here's everything that it will include. So the price was great. We're like, yep, let's go with him. And they did a great job and we continuously use them. The, the property I'm sitting in right now, we texted the owner yesterday. He's like, I'll have a dumpster there this in the morning. And just like an hour ago, the dumpster was dropped off. So I don't want people to be hesitant as to just going off referrals. There's definitely great companies you can find out there, but again, just like date the contractor, give them a little bit at one time, not be like to a painter. Oh, you know what? I need you to do all of my properties to paint the exterior (laughs) over the next month. Like maybe give them one house at a time or a shed or something like that and see how it goes. I've also found there are a lot of uh, people out there that like to be generalists and they can say they, they will do everything. And I have asked the question like, yeah, but do you specialize in it? Like, like, please tell me if this is not really your specialty because you know, it's not, I'm not going to take other work from you, but if you're not a plumber, I don't really want you replacing the hot water heater just because you mostly know how, you know, that I think, I think you're, you might, you might still get lied to, but I, I always at least feel more comfortable asking the question, like, is this really something you know how to do? That's such a great point. And I think it can kind of be a telltale sign as to who you're kind of dealing with. The person that says like, I don't do that. Like, this is my specialty. This is what I stick to. That That's a great point, Spencer. So I want to get into one of your deals. Do you have a, a deal in mind that you want to share with us? The numbers, how you found it, everything like that? Yeah, sure. So I could talk about the flips I just did. And I... I bought them together and they're closing oh, you know, okay. three weeks apart and they're right next to each other. Um, okay. Yeah. So yeah, they, they both came from my wholesaler and uh, I bought them for 152,500 a piece. Okay. And were they like by the same owner? It just happened. These two deals came up at the same time, same owner. Yeah. Okay. Same owner. Same. They were one house apart from each other in this like new built, uh, a newer built community. Like the, I think the owner was the guy that constructed them uh, or paid to have them constructed and, um, and I guess he was just trying to get out of them before the end of the year. So, um, uh, my wholesaler brought those to me and, uh, it was right around Christmas time. So 
I think me and one other group actually came to look at it. No one else did. And, uh, you know, I made an offer that day and was able to get them under contract and close before the end of the year. And so my, my plan with them was, again, they were newer build in a city that has mostly older homes. And uh, back to the idea of like, how's going to exit, whether I made money or lost money. I was like, there are lots of couples that were priced out of the market in the last two years. We have high interest rates right now. They might be going higher. But I think if I can present this two bed, one bath home uh, that's newer build, in a in a volatile market, there's still going to be couples that are willing to move on that because you know it's it's exactly the size they need. It's not more, um, and they'll deal with the higher interest rate because it's a good starter home. And then, how did you finance these deals? Yes, yeah, so I put in a little bit of my cash, some of my mom's cash, um, private money from from a guy that I met at the the meetup that I host, and then used hard money for the rest. And the hard money uh, came from. Well, I, I guess he was a harder he's a money a hard money broker, but he was also referred by um, my wholesaler, and he you know the whole the hard money broker was actually someone that he was the one that saved us on that deal back in 2018 when we needed a new hard money lender. <laughs> uh, he was the one that got it done for us. And then what were the what was your rehab estimate for it? And then did you stay on budget, go over budget? What was that number? Yeah, so I was trying to stay around like. 8,500 to 10,000 per unit. Um, I ended up going to 10,000 on the first one and around 9,000 on the second one. And the reason I went a little bit higher on the first one is actually because I used that sub that I found. And the second time I decided to do more of the work myself. So I was able to save some money on that. Um, but you know, one was 200 square feet higher, uh, bigger than the other, so it's a little bit more expensive on the painting and flooring for each one of those. So you're in for about 162,000 each, yeah, per se, plus your holding cost, electric insurance, your interest. Mm-hmm. Um, so what was what did you end up selling them for? Yeah, so I got a little bit spooked when another there's about 30 townhouses in this little community this guy built, and one of them went for 175. Um, when I was in the middle of doing the rehabs. And so I got a little bit spooked. Um, but I was at, I was like, okay, what do I need to get out of these? And the first one that I was finishing was I needed 195 or so. And that was the smaller one. And so I was like, okay, if I, if I get 195 for this first one, based on a square footage approach, my finishes are going to be the same on the second one. That gives me around 210 on the second one where I'd make, you know, 10,000 to 15,000 or something. And so I was at one of my meetups when a younger kid had come in for the second time. He last time he was there to like ask everybody about this triplex he was trying to get seller financing for. Second time he's just like, "Well, I've got a girlfriend and she's pregnant. And I just need a home now." And I was I was showing him pictures of of my uh, of the flip. He's like, "I want to see this." And I'm like do you want to go right after this? And it was like nine o'clock at night. He's like, yes. And so he got his mom and his sister. He lived right down the street. They all came over like nine 30 at night. And we, we looked at the flip and he's like, what do you need to take, you know, to, to not put this on the market? And I was like, I, you know, I wanted to list it for one ninety five, maybe get two Oh five or something. But like, if you're willing to commit this right now, I will sell to you for one ninety five. Um, so again, I knew that like, given how how uh closing costs go i'm like i could either make like 2500 or i could lose a couple hundred here depending on how that goes um but it'll set me up for that second one to go for like 210 and so i was again being spooked by that one that just went for 175 which now i know i think it had some like it needed some work to it um i was willing to make that decision and again accomplish my goal of like i learned i got out of it I was able to give a home to a young couple in the area. It was someone from my meetup. Like there are all these things that were coming together. I'm like, I'm willing to like take this, this, this opportunity and not like make a ton of money on this, um, on this one. I just want to say, I'm, I'm glad it worked out well in your situation, but just a word of caution to our rookie audience. Maybe don't leave the meetup at nine o'clock with a stranger <laughs> and uh, go, go, go to someone's house, you know, right? but, but he brought some people with him. He brought some people with him. So at least he was covering his covering himself. That's, that's a fair point. <laughs> okay. So Spencer, what did you end up selling the second one for? Yeah. So we were going to, we were going to list it for 210. Um, and then the agent for that first buyer came to us and said, you know, I've got another buyer. 
and my eight my agent said we just listed three properties that you know this weekend and they all went for thirty thousand over asking before the end of the weekend. So she's like, I don't think we should just like go with who he has. We should we should put it on the market. And then he hit us up again. And I was like, all right, we're going to list it for 210. Tell him we're listing it for 215 and we'll let him know. And he started trying to write an offer for 215. And I'm like, no, 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 no. We're listing it for 215. If you want to stop us, come in a little bit higher. And so they wrote an offer for 220. And so both of these I ended up selling before we even hit the market. Um, we, we didn't have to do staging wow. photos. We didn't list them or anything. Um, so yeah, on, on that second one, I'm going to make about 25,000. On that first one, I lost about 500, and that's partially because my wholesale fee was uh, it was like 15,000 for the two properties. They put 10,000 on one and 5,000 on the other. And so the 10,000 was on the one I sold for the least amount of money. So if you dollar cost average, I made like 2500 on the first, I'll make 25,000 <laughs> on the second. If you do it based on paper, I lost 500 on the first, but I'll make like 27 on the second. Congratulations. That's awesome. Thank you. You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single-family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. Rookies, 2024 is the year to start protecting your rental properties with an LLC. But you don't have to do all the paperwork and filing yourself. Corporate Direct is your professional and affordable option for getting your LLC done right. They handle the state filings, draft your operating agreement, and act as your registered agent. They'll even help you comply with the Corporate Transparency Act, a new federal disclosure law affecting every real estate investor. Corporate Direct is a family business founded by attorney, author, and rich dad advisor Garrett Sutton over 35 years ago. Now, his son Ted is a licensed attorney working with him. Together, they've helped thousands of real estate investors form and maintain their LLCs and protect their assets. If you're trying to build a real estate portfolio, do not skip the LLC. Head over to corporatedirect.com slash biggerpockets to schedule a free 15-minute consultation with an incorporating specialist. Mention Real Estate Rookie and get a $100 discount on your formation. That's corporatedirect.com slash biggerpockets. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, it's it's an amazing accomplishment, man. But I, I just want to I want to paint the picture here for our listeners because there there's a couple things that that happened here, right? So you said you you met your wholesaler. Did you see you met him at your meetup? I think it was a referral from somebody. Got it. Where'd you meet that person that referred to you? Do you know? I believe it was through Go Bun- like the merge GoBundance. And so he's Got he it. was someone that I I went to him and I said, "Do you want to do you want to host a meetup with me?" Um, not because I really needed help, just because like he was in the area and he knew people and his wife is a realtor. And so she's been my realtor. Got it. Oh, so that's the person that you host the meetup with. Yeah. Well, one of them has to take care of the kids. So they kind of switch on and off. Uh, but but yeah. yeah, I kind of, <laughs> you know, we hosted with both of them essentially. I love that. Okay. So your, your wholesaler you met through a connection that, that basically came from your meetup. Your first buyer literally left your meetup with you to go view your house. And then that buyer's agent is the one that had the buyer for your second home. And my private money. And his private money lender. Yeah. Yeah. And his brother, who is the first sub. And your first sub. So, uh, So you got a wholesaler, two buyers, private money lenders, and subs all came from this meetup in one shape, 
form or another. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I'm I'm so happy that you did this, Spencer, or, or that you're talking about this because I think it's something that a lot of people uh, they, they don't understand the value and the power of starting your own meetup because now you become the center of gathering for real estate investors in your local network. So a couple of questions I want to ask you uh, to just kind of peel the layers back on this meetup here. I know one of the things that holds people back from starting their own meetup, uh, two things really. First, I'm not experienced enough to host a real estate meetup. Second, who the heck is going to come to my meetup? <laughs> so how did you how did you solve those two issues around, hey, you know, I've only done this one deal. I don't know if I've got enough experience. How am I going to get people to show up? How did you tackle those two things? Yeah, I mean, it's I really just implore people, don't overthink it. Like if you can plan for 10 people to go to dinner, if you can make like a reservation or you can plan a birthday party, like a meetup is even easier than that. You just you you just find a place, you you get some food or don't some people just some people just say come meet at this brewery like i'm not providing food we're going to get this back room on a monday night cuz they have the space cuz people don't go out to eat as much on monday nights uh, restaurants will happily give that to you um you know i wasn't going to charge a fee and i just i just made a meetup account um and they actually do a really good job. I, like, I haven't even found a way to spend money to advertise my meetup on meetup. They just promote it. Um, and then that was the other reason I wanted to partner with somebody on the meetup was so that they were in the market. They knew a few people. I wanted them to be pushing it to the people they knew and then try and grow it from there. Um, you know, the last couple of minutes, I actually I wasn't doing Facebook. I've started doing Facebook, uh, you know, groups and, and pushing it to more other groups, um, some groups are not happy when you post meetups. They just take it down, so it's fine. No, no harm, no foul. Let me let me ask a question, Spencer. How, how many people came to your first meetup? Do you recall the first two? We had about twenty. We haven't wow, had that many since. Um, but that to me just shows it's even more valuable. It's not like I got all of these things, all of these results because I had a hundred person meetup. I've had these results from like a collective of a hundred people coming over the last six months. And, you know, most, uh, most of them weren't even from my network or my partner's network. It was literally just people finding it. Um, and that it's not just newbies. I, you know, I've had people that showed up cause they just say they want to buy a home. It's not even like they're trying to invest. They just saw real estate and they came to the meetup. I've also had people from, you know, 30 miles away that own a hundred units in Harrisburg that were just, you know, they're like, well, I'm going to go see what this is about, see who's there, you know, come, they'll probably show up once a quarter or something like that. Um, cause they don't really need to be at meetups every single month or something, but, um, it's been a, it's been cool to see the variety that has come literally just from meetup promoting it themselves and just posting to strangers on Facebook groups and letting them come. So when you're actually at the meetup, Spencer, um, you know, cause obviously you made a lot of connections here. Are you just standing in front of the room saying, I need private money. I need a wholesaler. I need this. Like wh- what is the dialogue like for you to actually build these relationships with people to the point where they, you know, you, you are able to find all of these people on your team. Yeah. So the feedback I got from people when they came to the meetup was that they didn't like how other ones always had a speaker that gave a presentation that was ultimately pitching at the end. And so ours so far have just been straight networking and you know, at the first place we hosted the meetup, it was kind of a smaller space. So when there were 20 people after about an hour, I was like, all right, let's just all get in a circle and introduce ourselves. And the way I found that private money lender is he just said, like, I'm new. Uh, I work full time. Um, I want to learn to invest, but I'm also willing to lend. And I've got a $45,000 check I can write tomorrow. And so like two days later, those, those wholesale deals came to me and I, I like, I was actually just trying to find him. I couldn't believe nobody else had already hit him up and taken that money. But I, I texted him and I was like, Hey man, I got a deal that came in. I need just about 45,000. Like, do you want to invest? And he said, yeah. Um, and he's been, he, I actually have another two properties under contract. So he's rolling that money into the next deal. Um, and yeah, I mean, it wasn't even. It wasn't even shameless plugging. It was just being in the room and asking people what they want, what they're here for um, was all it really took. And um, we are starting to I'm trying to find rather than having presenters, I want to have expert guests. So, um, you know, someone that you can promote their name, they're known in the in the community and you can say what they're known for. 
And but rather than putting them in the front of the room, just say like they're going to be here for you to ask questions. And that person can then still say to the new person like, hey, I do have this course, but they're not the front of the room showing it to everybody. And it's not like, you know, if you only have three newbies showing up and everyone else is a little more experienced, you don't need someone presenting on how to do the burst strategy you know, for those three people, those three people can just go ask. Um, so everyone I think has found that like just being able to network, get to know people, you know, move around the room if that's what they want to do is been super valuable to them. Uh, so that's how we're going to continue doing it. This might be one of the best like breakdowns of how to start a meetup and how to do it. I think that we have had, we've had several guests on and like, obviously they give tons of value too, but I, I think you kind of given us a step-by-step kind of handbook as to how you can do your meetup and how easy it actually can be to actually manage. And there's so many different ways that you can do it too and create it. So thank you so much for sharing that Spencer with us. Thank you. And, and I'll also point out the, the two places we've done it so far have both been realtors offices. So the first one was, was, uh, a third person I was kind of like co-hosting it. He He's a little bit busy now. So uh, someone came to me and said they they want to be a sponsor and he owns the building. He used to own a Coldwell Banker realty office. He now just owns the building, but he has access to it. He's like, yeah, just come do it here. Um, they're happy to, to just, if they have a conference room, they're happy to have it. If you want to be more, have more access to a bar or something, again, just plan for a Monday or Tuesday and find some place that isn't tiny that has like more than enough space, they'll happily give you the back room for if you tell them at least 10 people are going to come and they're going to order food and beer or whatever. Um, I choose to provide food, um, you know, sandwiches or pizza or whatever it is. Well, send me the next invite. Uh, Free food. I'm there. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, uh, Spencer, I want to take us to our rookie request line. So anyone can go to biggerpockets.com slash reply and leave us a question there. So today's question is from Jonathan Eloisa. What's a better option to purchase a flip or long-term hold such as a rental, HELOC, or hard money? I currently own my primary free and clear, but I'm scared to put it up as collateral or take out a mortgage on it. Can you give me any advice on using either HELOC or hard money for purchasing? Thank you very much. Spencer, what would be your advice on that? Give us your hard money side. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, the great thing about hard money is just like it, you're not mortgaging up your your house. Um, you're not really putting it up for a collateral. And I mean, if you buy into all the, uh, com- you know, there's so many people out there talking about other people's money and using that to buy real estate. I mean, using a hard money lender is using other people's money. Um, if you don't want to have to pay the higher interest rate, I mean, I don't know what HELOCs go for. I'm sure it's not the 12% or 13% that hard money lenders are trying to get right now. Uh, but I also believe that a lot of them have variable rates. So if it's going to be a longer project, you have to be aware of that. Um, but, you know, I, I hard money is there for a reason. You know, they they I also like that they're an extra set of eyes. They're going to let you know if it if they think it's a bad deal, they don't want to lose their money. Um, so that's just the route I've gone so far. Yeah, for HELOC, you're putting up your primary as collateral, where the hard money, the investment property, whether it's a flip or rental, is going to be the collateral. So if you default on the loan and it's either going to be your primary residence they're coming after for a HELOC or it's going to be the investment money or the investment property that a hard money lender is coming after. So it's really what you're putting up for risk. So how much risk do you actually have in doing this deal that you think that there is a chance that you will default on on the loan. Um, a HELOC, you're most likely going to get a better rate because um, it is your primary residence compared to hard, hard money where it is going to be a higher interest rate. So you can save some on there, but it really, it's like what helps you sleep at night as to, you know, is it worth paying a little bit more? Are you still going to make a, a great number on that deal using hard money and not having to put your house up as collateral. Personally, I've never used my primary residence for any kind of um, money to purchase investment property. I have HELOCs on other rental properties that I use, but it's just a, a thing that helps me sleep at night, I guess. And even though I, if I would have went and got a HELOC on it, I probably would have way better rates. But if you can make the deal work 
with the higher interest rates, then maybe it is worth it for you to go with the the hard money lender. And sometimes a hard money lender can be easier than having to go through a traditional bank and be like, here's my grandma's social security. Here's my dad's yeah. bank accounts. Here's everything yeah. to get a, to get a loan on my primary residence. I'm, I'm actually doing a DSCR loan right now on a, on a property. And like, you know, they always come back with these different conditions and this thing and that thing. And it's like, Hey, mm-hmm. what was this one deposit six months ago for $27 yeah. and 83 cents? And you know, like, yeah, there's a bunch of weird stuff. Um, all right, let's go to our rookie exam. So these are the same three questions we ask every single guest, Spencer. Uh, question number one, what's one actionable thing rookie should do after listening to your episode? Yeah, I've heard a lot of people say go to a meetup. That is great advice. But if you can start one, that's even better. Or if you can just be a part of someone else's and go to them and say, like, how can I help you? That's also a good foot in the door. I mean, if there's already six meetups because you're in a more metro area, you have you're not hurting anybody's feelings by starting your own. So don't worry about that. Um, you know, if if it's a smaller market and you don't want to worry about stepping on toes, you know, just go try and be a part of the one that's established. But um, you know, the only other meetup I saw was actually run by someone I didn't like. That's kind of the reason I decided to do my own. Was uh, I just wanted to to I didn't really want to go to his meetup, so I figured I'd just find a location and buy some pizzas and promote it and see who showed up. And I just commit, I said I was going to commit to it for six months. Uh, so it's, it's, it's not overly complicated. If you would like, uh, anybody can reach out and I can give you any advice if you would like on that. Okay. Uh, what is one tool software app or system in your business that you use? I've mostly just used Google Docs so far. Uh, I use Rent-A-Meter sometimes for it to understand rents. I've uh, Rehab Pro Estimate or something like that for just kind of seeing if what I put on paper makes sense. Um, you know, but uh, I definitely don't have a, a, a full infrastructure of, of software just yet. All right, last question for you, Spencer. Where do you plan on being five years from now? Hopefully, you know, some combination of of, of ten thousand dollars a month of monthly cash flow from stuff. Uh, I'm actually looking more at uh, while I want to build up, you know, assets through multifamily and that sort of thing, and and rentals. I'm also looking at land flipping right now um, because the land flippers are typically the note holder, and you can easily subdivide a piece of land and uh, you know get hold the note for you know. In where you're getting 250 to 500 a month, depending on how, what you sold it for. And there's not many units right now that you can get where you're getting, you know, 250 plus a unit. So, um, in terms of trying to help with like families retirement in the next two to three years, the land space looks good for that, for that cash flow side of things. But like, you know, obviously I want to be building assets as well, you know, long-term. Well, we'll have to have you back on, Spencer, as you start to take down some of those land deals. Because I don't, I don't think we've had anyone that's talked about land from that perspective, like cash flowing from land. Um, so yeah, it's an interesting topic, man. But thanks for sharing that. I have one note right now. I collect three hundred five a, a month for the next four years, and you know, I can't, I can't find anything that at least pencils that's going to give me three hundred five a month. So cool. Before we wrap things up, I just want to give a shout out to this week's Ricky Rockstar. So today's Rockstar is Trey R. Trey says first property. I started learning about real estate investing in the last year, last summer, basically literally knew nothing. And I still know very little. And I close on what'll be our first flip at the beginning of the year. Um, I'll follow with some numbers after this sale, uh, but it's day one and I do it all over again. So congrats to you, Trey. Uh, kudos on your first flip and excited to see the next one. Well, Spencer, thank you so much for joining us. And we really appreciate all of the value that you have brought today. Can you let everyone know where they can reach out to you and find out some more information about you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You can just find me on Instagram. My name is Spencer Carpenter on there. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn. And then, uh, you know, that's, that's mainly just where I'm active is Instagram and LinkedIn. Awesome. Thank you so much. I'm Ashley at Wealth From Rentals, and he's Tony at Tony J. Robinson. And before we head out today, I want to do a social media shout out. So today we are going to highlight David Turner Bruce, who is at Bruce Properties. So I met him recently at the Limitless Expo. I think you guys will get value from his post. He is a real estate investor, flipper, developer, and has buy and holds in Hawaii. So I think he might also have some uh, adventures on there of him in Hawaii on his Instagram, but also a lot of great real estate advice. So make sure to give at Bruce Properties a follow and check him out. 
Thank you guys so much for listening. We will be back on Saturday with the Rookie Reply. The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom. And the best investors know it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com slash deals, enter a few details about what and where you want to buy, and boom, instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. There's free resources only available at biggerpockets.com slash deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com slash deals. That's biggerpockets.com slash deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all host and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.